Today we're kicking off a brand new teaching series. And I told you that this would be a short series, three weeks. I may change my mind on that. As I was preparing for the series over the past few weeks, I thought there's just so much more that I'd like to cover than we'll cover in, in uh, just the three weeks. So we'll see how the Lord leads me on that. But to, today we're starting this series titled, Don't Believe It. And I hope you'll forgive me for the subtitle, Dumb Things Smart People Believe. And we're going to be looking at some of the most common faith myths that people hold on to. And a lot of times we hold on to things that we heard, somebody said, and today, especially in the age of social media, we see these memes that get passed around and some people actually build their lives on myths. I'm not going to say they build their lives on memes, but they could as well. But some of these uh, faith myths that we're going to talk about in this series, uh, I, I think it's a mistake that sometimes people build their lives on that. They think this is true. And, and these are things that have been taught and believed since way before social media. It's just that social media really helps to expand them. But way before people have had these uh, false beliefs and they've tried to build their lives on them and then found out, wait, this is not working. And so uh, our, our key verse today, and really for this whole series, is found in Romans 12, 2. Romans 12, 2, which read like, reads like this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So today, especially, we're going to talk about God's will. But one of the ways that we can know God's will is it, it might be necessary for us to change the way we think. So I'm going to ask all of you right now, would you read this out loud together? This, this week, I normally teach out of the NIV this, this week. And perhaps for a lot of this series, I'm going to be teaching out of the New Living Translation. Uh, so, but I want you to read with me out loud Romans 12:2 in a good, strong voice. Here we go together. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You know, over the years, people have bought into some pretty silly things, not just in the area of faith or Christianity, but just in the world in, in general. And so I was uh, kind of looking up a few things that we've learned uh, that, that now we shouldn't believe over time. For example, going all the way back to the 3rd century uh, B.C., uh, people, can you believe people used to believe that the world is flat, that the earth is flat? Can you believe that? Uh, and I hear that there's still some people who believe that today. I don't know how you can believe that. It's like, you know, that's been disproved. Um, but people used to believe that the, the, the earth is flat. And also for another one, for many years, people believed that taking a bath was bad for you. I think there's still some preteens and teenagers that might believe that. But they, they believed that there, was, there were germs in the water, so taking a bath was bad for you. That's not true, okay? So go ahead and take baths. It's a good thing. Uh, another one that people used to believe is that sneezing causes you to lose a part of your soul. 
Now, you, some of you probably still believe that, right? I mean, why do we say, God bless you to people when they sneeze? It really goes back to the belief that, that people had that when they, somebody sneezed, it would expel part of their soul. It would expel something, but that's not your soul, right? So, you, you know, that's fine. We, we, we can say, God bless you, but uh, I don't know if that saying, God bless you, would like, push your soul back in or what, but that was a belief. Also, up until the 16th century, a lot of you know this, that people actually believed that the sun revolves around the earth. Right? This is called geocentricity, that the earth is a center of the universe. Right? Well, today people don't believe that anymore. There are people that do believe that the earth revolves around them, but that's another story. We won't, we won't go there. And also, did you know that for a long time people believed that leeches have healing power. So if you were sick, go swim somewhere where there were a lot of leeches. Or, or that would actually get them and put them on, on people's bodies because they thought you know, they'd suck all the, I guess, all the bad blood out of you. Now, I know it's hard for us to think uh, about, but all these things were things that smart people believed. Educated people, religious people believe that. But even in the faith world, e even as Christians, we've bought into some ideas that are not true. They're weird, they're strange, and basically they're wrong. They're ideas that are not in the Bible. They're not found in God's Word. And so today we're going to look at the, the myth, the, the uh, don't believe it myth, that God has a blueprint for your life. That God has a blueprint for your life. So the, the, the first point is simply this. You know, don't believe that God has a blueprint for your life. Now, some people still believe this, that God has a, a blueprint. And blueprint is really the key word here because a blueprint is a very specific set of instructions. Uh, people in architecture, people in engineering, they know the importance of a blueprint when it comes to building something. Right? A blueprint, a blueprint really works well. It's very important. For example, if you're building a Boeing 737, in, when, when I fly, and I don't fly often, but when I fly, when I get on an airplane, I really hope that the engineers uh, followed that blueprint exactly. I mean, to detail, they did everything that was on that blueprint when they put it together. So a blueprint is important for certain things, for a house, you know, for a building, for an airplane, <clears throat> for an airplane. But there are a lot of areas in our lives that don't really need a blueprint. You don't need a blueprint for life, but a lot of people think that God has a very detailed blueprint for every single step of their lives. And uh, they, they live their life that way, and it turns out that there's problems with this belief, and if they try to live their life that way, it creates even more problems. Some people believe, for example, that God has only one person for us to marry. There is one person in the world that God has matched you up with and your job is to find that person and he's the only person or she's the only person and uh, you know the only problem with that blueprint thinking is that if you marry the wrong person that ruins things for all the rest of us right because then that means that that the person you married married the wrong person which means that you know down the line every, everything is gonna get messed up and so God doesn't do that God doesn't give us a blueprint for for living 
Because for one, there's some problems with this. You know, for one, uh, living by a blueprint would take away our free will. And God has given us a free will. You know, if God really has a very specific blueprint, details for your life, do this at this time, do this, do this, do that, don't go here, don't go there, as a blueprint, and that really takes away our free will. And God has given us free will. All right, so, but in addition to that, there are some dangers, not just some problems, but some dangers in blueprint thinking. For example, blueprint thinking paralyzes you when you're making decisions. Think about that. If you really believe there's one choice for every area of your life, that's going to paralyze you before you make a decision. Am I doing the right thing? What if I do the wrong thing and I mess up my life? And so you, you get paralyzed over even small decisions. Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I go here? Should I go there? You know, what if it really doesn't matter to God? I was, uh, years ago I was uh, teaching at Edison Junior High, and I had a student teacher, and she was um, a Christian, um, just a wonderful young lady, but she had this type of blueprint thinking, and she told me one time, I was, because the choir room was up on the second floor at Edison, some of you know where the choir room was, some of you went to school there and you were in my class, uh, but she told me one time, she said, I was going to the office, and I was going to take this first staircase. Then I just felt led that I should take the second staircase to go down there. Oh, really? And what happened? Well, no, nothing. I just, I just felt led. And, I, you know, and that's the way kind of she made decisions, just like God is guiding me. Even, even small things. But what if, it doesn't matter to God which staircase you take. Or whether you eat a you know, peanut butter and jelly sandwich or a ham sandwich. You know, but uh, it, it just, it paralyzes you to make decisions. Another danger is that blueprint thinking causes fear. People who buy into this kind of thinking are afraid. They're afraid before they make a decision. They're afraid during the decision-making process. And then afterward, they're afraid they made the wrong decision. And everything that happens is like, I knew I should have done, done it differently. Every every. You know, thing that happens in life is always, oh, I, I made a mistake back then. So they really can't do anything because they're afraid that they're going to mess up their life. Also, another danger is that blueprint thinking can be very discouraging. Very discouraging. When you buy into this kind of thinking, if you make one or take one wrong step, you think, oh, I just, I just messed up my life. I just made one mistake and you feel like you totally missed out on God's will because you, you needed everything to line up perfectly and, and you, you took a misstep and, and you, know, you took the wrong job and now you think, I've, I've really messed up now. I'll never get the right job. Or uh, you, you date the wrong person and you think, that's it. I'm stuck. I can't, do it. I can't change anything. And blueprint thinking is like there's no room for grace. You don't give yourself grace. There's no room for forgiveness. It, 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 every failure can be devastating. So don't believe that God has a blueprint for your life. But here's, here's what you do believe. Don't believe God has a blueprint for your life. But do believe that God has a game plan. That God has a game plan. How many of you know what a game plan is? Well, a game plan is, uh, let's say, first of all, it's God's best plan for your life. And a game plan is really about laying out boundaries. 
and then giving us some freedom within those boundaries. God gives us boundaries. Like, for example, in the game of football, if, you're, uh, if you watch football, a game plan in football, or in any sport, but let's talk about football, it, it, a game plan is a basic strategy that a coach or the coaches devise for a game. So it's a basic strategy. And so the strategy includes certain diagram plays, as it does, but within those plays, the players have options. In fact, nowadays, and this is something relatively new, the, the RPO, the run pass, run pass option, they're designed to have options. But even before the, this type of offense that we see nowadays in, in football, even then people, uh, the players had options. The runner was given the ball and he you know, cut this way, but if he's an opening here, he can go this way. He's not uh, predetermined. He has to go only through one way or one hole, and he can't change if that hole is, you know, is covered. And so they make decisions, football players make decisions based on what opens up for them. That's part of the game plan. There are some plays, but they make decisions based on what opens up for them. They know that they have to stay within the boundaries, right? They're not going to go out of bounds on purpose, right? Sometimes to stop the clock, of course, things like that. Well, God sets boundaries of what's in bounds and what's out of bounds. But basically, God is saying, look, move the ball forward. And you got all this space between the boundaries, you know, 50 yards in a football field. Got 50 yards and you can, you can move and, and change, but just move the ball forward and don't go out of bounds. That's what God tells us. Uh, move the ball forward. Players look to the sidelines to get instructions from their coaches for the next play. That's all God wants us to do, to look to Him for instructions and follow His game plan, just move forward. You know what happens if you make a mistake in the game plan, you just, you just reset the next play and, and you stick to the game plan. You get back on track all the while you're hearing from your coach, you're hearing from God who's giving you directions each step of the way. Now I have to admit, I have to admit, I have uh, struggled with game plan thinking. I have. Because I've always wanted God to give me a blueprint for my life. I've always wanted Him to tell me exactly what to do, what step to take. When Lillian and I moved to San Angelo in 1985, we didn't have a blueprint. We barely had a game plan. We kind of had a game plan, but we didn't have a blueprint. The game plan was I was going to come to San Angelo. I had been teaching in the Corpus area for a couple of years, uh, three years actually, and so I was going to come to San Angelo, work on my master's, and uh, at the time my dad was pastor at Jerusalem, Temple of Jerusalem, and so I was going to serve there as a youth pastor. And the plan, our plan was to do it for two years. And some of you have heard the story that I had to uh, bring Lillian to San Angelo kicking and, and screaming. She didn't want to come. She didn't want to come, and, and there were some things that happened that kind of confirmed to her that we weren't called to come over here. <laughs> so... Uh, just some things like uh, there was an article in the in the newspaper that up in uh, in uh, down in in Corpus, the Corpus Christi Caller Times, and the article was about San Angelo, and the article said this: it said San Angelo is finally on the map. Then it had a dash of the Russians, and it had to do with a paved pause, you know this uh, 
uh, radar that that was down near El Dorado and how it was active back then. It was a powerful radar. And how if the, the Russians ever attacked the U.S., one of the first places it would attack would be San Angelo, this area, to get rid of that radar. And so Lillian was like, do we want to go there? You know, we, Bethany was a, a year and a half. Do we want to take our only child and, and move to San Angelo? And there were a, a couple of other things that happened. I won't take the time to tell that, those stories to, to save time. But, uh, so, but we came... And I told, and in fact, I told her, we'll, we'll stay there for two years, just two years. That's how long it'll take me to finish graduate school, and then we'll go back to Corpus. And that was a plan. She agreed to it. She agreed to those terms, right? And uh, I, I, I was honest. I didn't lie to her. I meant to do that, but God changed our plans. Um, he, he, he led us in a different direction. Now, was this a stressful time? Sure, it was. It was very stressful. Uh, Kelly was born while we were uh, living on campus there at Angelo State. We didn't have any insurance. I didn't have insurance. I wasn't teaching for that. For one year, I didn't teach. And then before I got a job at, at San Jacinto. And so, uh, yeah, we didn't, we didn't have any insurance. But God opened so many doors. It was stressful, but it, it could have been less stressful if I had rested in God, understanding that he would give me direction as I learned to trust him. So how do we live with God's game plan for our lives? How, how do we live with this life of faith is, is what I'm talking about. This, this life of game plan living, it's a life of faith. So maybe we need to change the way we think, as, as Paul wrote to the Romans. And so I want to see if I can help you do that as we find God's game plan for our lives. Look at Ephesians 5.17. Ephesians 5.17 Reads like this, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Now this requires you to engage. It's about a daily thing. It's about hearing God daily as opposed to getting the big blueprint that's already got everything laid out. So on the one hand, sometimes we want a blueprint, everything's laid out. The other hand, God says, no, just uh, engage with me, listen to me, and I'll guide you. So here's how we do that. Two, two steps. Two steps. They're simple steps, but not always easy. Number one, learn to hear God's voice. How do we live a life of faith? This game plan thinking. Learn to hear God's voice. If God has given you a game plan and He says, these are the boundaries right here. This is out of bounds. That's out of bounds. Then, and he says, just stay inside those boundaries, move the ball forward. Then what we need to do is we need to learn to hear his voice. Because a football coach devises a game plan, a strategy, and, and they go over it in meetings with a, with a team. They prepare. But then he doesn't just send them out and say, you're on your own now. But he's out there making adjustments, calling audibles, right? Making adjustments as a game goes on, and then at halftime, they, they make some more adjustments. So just like a coach might call an audible and might send in game plans or, or plays a step of the way, we need to be able to hear from God, hear from God. So God speaks to you. God guides you. Some people sometimes will say, well, God doesn't speak to me. Well, the real issue might be that you're not listening. You're not listening. It's hard to listen to God, I know, in this rough and tumble world of today. There are a lot of distractions. A lot of distractions. Life is crazy. How many of you know that? Life is chaotic. Isn't life chaotic? And 
because of that, you've got to learn to listen. In the midst of this chaos, you've got to learn to tune your ear to God's voice. It's not dissimilar to what's going on in this room right now. Right now. Did you know there's a lot of noise in this room right now? Now, I know you're thinking, well, I don't hear any noise. I hear your voice. I hear humming of something over here. No. There's a lot of noise here right now. For a second, in fact, I want you to be really, really quiet and still. Can you do that? Just for, for a few seconds. Be very quiet, very still. Does anybody hear music? Does anybody hear 88.5 K-Love? Do you hear it? Listen. Or does anybody hear 89.3 Air One? Can you hear the music? It's, it's in the air. Why can't you hear it? Now, the reason we can't hear it is because we don't have a radio. If I, bought a, if I brought a radio out here and if I tuned it to 88.5, we'd hear some music, right? Or 89.3, we'd hear some music. If I, if I tuned it, you could all hear it. The issue is not, uh, you know, there, there, are air, there are radio waves going on right now in this room. There are. We don't see them and we don't hear them. But the issue is, are we turned on to the right frequency? If I had a radio and I turned it to the right frequency, we'd hear the music. Well, the radio waves are here, we just don't hear them. They're in this room, but unless you're tuned to them, you can't hear them. But if you have the right tuner, you can hear all those radio stations a lot more. And so it is with God. If you learn to tune into God's voice, whether you're in silence or in chaos, you're going to hear God's voice. But you gotta, you got to learn to tune your ear to His voice, to hear what He's saying to you. And what He's saying to you is very important if we're going to live by faith. In fact, uh, Jesus promised uh, to, to speak to us. Look at what He said in John 10, 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Now, there are two things in this verse. First of all, we have to know Jesus and secondly, we have to follow Jesus. So one of the ways that you, you tune your ear to hear God's voice in the midst of chaos or silence is by knowing Him personally and by following Him. See, a lot of people want to hear from God so they can consider what God says. They want to hear what God says so they can think about it and say, Well, well, thank you, God, but I don't think I want to do that. No, God's not going to show you what He wants for you to consider it. He'll show you uh, what, what He wants you to do so you can do it. He'll give you a game plan so you can put it into effect. So if we've got to know Jesus and we've got to follow Jesus here. He doesn't obligate Himself to people who don't know Him and people who are not following Him. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, then, then you're probably not going to hear God speak. So that's the first thing. And then again, like I said, you've got to be willing to follow what He says. You've got to be willing to be obedient. And then if you're not, then He's probably not going to speak to you. But God does speak to us. How does He speak to us? Well, one of the ways that God speaks to us, speaks to us, and we might say even the primary way that God speaks to us is through the Bible. God speaks to us through the Bible. He gives us direction. He gives us guidance gives us counsel on a number of issues. He doesn't give us a blueprint, but He gives us principles, scriptural principles that we can apply to our lives to help guide us, to help us make a decision. 
Uh, I hear a lot of people say, well, if, if the Bible would just give me a blueprint for whom I, for who I should marry, then I'll know exactly who I should date and who I should marry. Well, the Bible doesn't tell, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly who, but God does give us boundaries. And God tells us that you should date someone who's a Christian, marry somebody who's a Christian. That's really where it starts. That's a first boundary. Then the Bible says you should love them the same way that Christ loved the church. I think that's, a, that's a, the other boundary. You, uh, you can't do those two things. Uh, if you can't do those two things, like marry a Christian and then love them as Christ loved the church, then don't move forward with that relationship. But it doesn't tell you exactly who. Within those two boundaries, you choose. You use God's wisdom, God's guidance. There's other ways that God guides you. That way, and then after you're married, there's some other guidelines, like First Corinthians 13, the big love chapter. You know, those are those are game plans, not specific blueprints, but game plans. But you got to know what the Bible says, so you can hear from God. You got to study the Bible systematically, not in a hit and miss manner, but in a systematic way. And I try so hard in, in, in seeking God and in prayer and, and study to teach God's Word in a systematic manner. Those of you who, who come regularly on Wednesday nights, right now we're not doing a Bible study, we're doing just prayer and I'll do teaching on prayer. But usually when we do a Bible study, I, I teach through books. And even in my Sunday mornings, I try to do something systematic because that's the, the, it's so important we, we learn that way because that's the way that God speaks to us through His Word. Secondly, God also speaks to us through His Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. God speaks to us that way. There are certain pleadings, there are certain burdens, there are certain promptings that, that He gives us. When you feel a certain prompting and you know that, you know, you've been in prayer and, 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 and you've been hearing from God and you, hear a certain, you feel a certain prompting, then that could be the Holy Spirit prompting you. Or maybe a certain nudging when you start to get off track. A certain affirmation when you are on track. The Spirit of God is real and He, he speaks to us in, in that way. And then God speaks to us through prayer. Because prayer is, uh, first of all, prayer is asking God for wisdom, right? Uh, but it's not just asking, but it's also stopping to hear from God. If you want to know what God wants you to do, ask Him. Pray and ask God for wisdom and direction and guidance. And uh, God speaks to us through other Christians, through uh, other Christians. That's why it's so important to have a church family. You need Christian friends, especially friends that are further along in the faith than you are, who, who have learned to hear from God, who can help you as you learn to hear from God. And so there's various ways that, that God speaks to us, but we've got to learn to hear God's voice. Secondly, Look for God's direction daily. Look for God's direction daily. Now most of us know what it's like to ask God for direction when we have a big decision to make. Right? We talked about your careers, talking about uh, who you should marry, talking about just a, you know, big decisions, a big financial decision. But what we often fail to do is look to God every single day. We want God to give us direction about the big things, but we don't invite God into... The daily things, the smaller things. And here's the key. Here's the key. If you want God to speak to you about the big things, learn to hear His voice about the daily things. 
but the smaller things daily. As you begin to walk with God, and that's what we call it, right? What the scriptures call it, to walk with God. He begins to guide us every day. He speaks to us daily. Jesus made this very clear. In his teaching on prayer, Jesus said this. He taught us to pray this way. Give us this day, right? Each day. Give us this day our daily bread. So he was so nice, he said it twice. Give us this day our daily bread. Because we need to hear from God daily about the daily things. Psalm 32, 8 reads like this. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. See, that's what God wants to do. He wants to advise you. He wants to uh, watch over you along the best pathway for your life. How many of you want to be on the best pathway for your life? You don't want to be off, you know, off track somewhere, having lost your way. You want to be on the best pathway. And you want to feel like you know that you're going uh, in the right direction. Again, the big things, God, when should I retire? You know, should I make this big investment, financial investment? Or where should I go to school? What should be my major? All those big things we ask God for, but He wants to do more than that. He's not just a counselor who's standing off to the side waiting for us to go, help me make this decision, then He helps us, and then we go back and ignore Him. He wants to do this every day of our lives. This is what Proverbs 2.3 is about. I love this. Proverbs 2.3. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. How many of you have done that before? I bet many of you have. Cry out for insight. Lord, help me to understand. I've got I've to make a, a decision here. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. I have a friend. doesn't live in town anymore, but he, he's very good at analyzing things and and there were some times that I had a decision to make and and I would just bring it up to him and say hey this is going on what do you think and he just kind of think it over he would analyze things he had he just had that that knack uh, he had insight into things and he would help me a lot and so some people are like that but every one of us can cry out to God for insight and understanding verse 6 says for the Lord grants wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding so say to God, Lord, I want your daily direction. Lord, I want to hear your voice every day. And then make a decision. You're going to live out God's purposes. God gives you principles. God gives you boundaries. But um, it's important for us to, to know that within those boundaries, He gives us freedom. On the one hand, God's will is like a four-lane highway. Like a four-lane highway. God doesn't really care whether you're in the left lane or you know, the, one of the two middle lanes or, or the right lane. As long as you're on the highway, on the freeway, the expressway. As long as you don't like get off and you know, go off to the side of the road and hurt yourself, uh, change lanes you know, without looking back and have an accident, uh, you know, without you know, being careful. In the midst of all that, you know, the four-lane highway, God gives you freedom. Now, there are certain things that are specific in, in God's Word, and, you know, the freedom that God gives you is not a freedom to ignore the specific teachings of God's Word. 
You know, I mentioned a while ago, God's word says, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. And I, I think one of the things that means is don't date non-Christians. But, you know, beyond that, God gives you some freedom. But beyond that, you know, you want to look for compatibility. There's some other things that your, you know, kids, your parents can help you with. God says, love your neighbor, but exactly how you choose to love your neighbor and how you live that out, that's up to you, but love your neighbor, right? There's a lot of freedom inside of God's will. And I love that about God. I think it's freeing. It's not legalistic. I think that's the best way to live. I think that's God's best path for us. So one, uh, well, a couple, couple more things here. If, if God's plan, game plan is a four-lane highway, then I want us to think, about the boundaries. Uh, if it's a football field, I want us to think about the boundaries. What are the boundaries? What does it mean to run off the road over here, run off the road on this other side? Well, Jesus tells us in Matthew 22, 37, when he was asked, what's the most important commandment in, in, uh, of, all, of all the commandments? Jesus said this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. I believe that's one of the boundaries. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now, you might say, okay, there's, what's the other boundary then? There's two boundaries. Well, I think the other one he tells us as well. In verse 39, Matthew 22, 39, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus says that the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. There are no more important commandments than these two. Love God and love your neighbor. So I, I think if we see those as boundaries, how am I going to live my life? What's God's game plan? Love God with all my heart, soul, and mind. Love my neighbor. And stay within those, those boundaries. And within that, we have freedom. And so, uh, one last thought here. And uh, I want to close with this, but the fi my final thought is this. God's will is not something to be found, but someone to become. God's will is not something to be found, like a scavenger hunt, like an Easter egg hunt. You go out and you have to find something, but it's someone to become. Everybody says, I want to find God's will. There's nothing wrong with that. That's good. But I think the better thing is to say, I want to become like Jesus. I want to become like Christ. How do I become like Christ? What do I have to do? Now, people look for answers to you know, major decisions in their lives, the big questions. And God cares about those issues. He cares about those issues. But He also wants to use every stage of your life, every stage of your life, to help you become more like Jesus Christ. That's what God's game plan is all about. So maybe today you're, you're facing a, a big decision and go ahead and ask God to give you wisdom. Cry out for insight. Cry out for insight and, and understanding. But maybe you're not facing a big decision. And that's quite frankly where probably the most, most of us are right now. We're maybe in a period of a season in our life where we're settled. And we're not looking for the big decision to make, but... Maybe we should still say, and not maybe, we, but we should say, God, for today, for today, I just want to love you. I want to love my neighbor. I want to love you. I want to love people. 
And I want to become more like Jesus. That should be our prayer. Just want to love you. I want to love others. And I want to become more like Jesus through your power. So as we finish today, what I want to invite you to do is to commit yourself to living out God's game plan for your life. Don't get paralyzed and think, you know, I messed up, I made a mistake. You know, God is so good at redeeming our mistakes. And I don't know how many times I have prayed and I've said, Lord, I, I think I made the wrong mistake here. Would you make something good out of here? Out of this. Make something good out of this. Redeem this mistake. Turn it around. I don't know how it's going to happen. And, and I often pray, Lord, just fill in the gaps. I, I made a mistake and now there's some gaps here and I don't know how to fix it. Fill in the gaps for me and get back on track. God is great at redeeming our mistakes. So don't get paralyzed with that. Just love God, love your neighbor, and ask God to help you to become more like Jesus every day. I'm going to invite you to pray. Would you bow your heads as we go to the Lord in prayer? Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for your word, and I'm thankful that you did not create us and then leave us to our own devices. I also thank you, Lord, that uh, you have given us your word to guide us. The primary way you, you speak to us is through your word. And yet sometimes we ignore your word. We don't read it regularly. Forgive us for that, Lord. Forgive us for all our sins and especially the sin of ignoring your word which speaks to us. Father, I just I, I ask, first of all, if there's someone here today who is facing a big decision and it's keeping them up at, at night, they're wondering, they're, uh, they're struggling to make the decision, they're thinking about things that get left behind if they decide one way or the other. I pray that they would be able to find their rest in you as you speak to them, as, as you just guide them and give them wisdom and insight as they call on you. But for those of us who maybe we don't have something major right in front of us right now, nevertheless, Lord, I believe you're calling us to commit ourselves to living out your game plan for us. I believe you're calling us to just stay within the boundaries, move the ball forward, just love you with all our heart, soul, and mind, love our neighbors, and just every day becoming more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. We need you for that, Lord. That will put us in the best path moving forward. And that's what we need today, Lord. So help us as we turn to you in worship right now. We ask that you would help us with that. For we pray in Jesus' name.